0: When Newcastle United were first taken over by the Saudi PIF, it was assumed by some that the likes of Neymar, Kylian Mbappe and Cristiano Ronaldo would soon be fielding calls as Dan Ashworth and Eddie Howe set about building football's equivalent of the Harlem Globetrotters. We didn't perhaps expect that by this stage of the project, Miggi Almiron and Joe Willock would be striding the Old Trafford pitch like giants inspiring the Magpies to a big League Cup win at Manchester United to at least partially avenge last season's final defeat. Newcastle are in the Champions League, the Premier League's top six, and although the morality of their funding is still a hot topic, many Magpies fans seem to be loving every second. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. I have the best tipping team that money can buy, but we have to keep their wages low for financial fair play reasons. Uh, Marco has been especially busy in the bet cave this week with lots of midweek action. Mark Newcastle take on Arsenal this weekend. You were a little surprised to see Newcastle priced as the outsiders here, considering what they have done to teams, especially at St James's Park.
1: Uh, yeah i am surprised actually um my numbers made it more of a sort of 275 shot each of two really so there is a kind of chasm between what i have newcastle priced at going into this fixture compared to where the market is at which is always a little bit alarming when you're a bit out from where the market suggests you should be um but yeah i mean if Newcastle on Tuesday night, sorry, Wednesday night against Manchester United were very impressive. But but how do you kind of gauge that success at Old Trafford? Because so many teams now have gone there this season and done a job on Manchester United. And I thought going into this week it perhaps could be quite a challenging one for Newcastle because last weekend You know, they led twice at Wolves, weren't able to win that match despite playing relatively well. They were very underwhelming against Dortmund in that defeat, lost a couple of key players to injury. Then you had the Sandro Tonali story and and the subsequent ban as well, hanging over things. Uh, And and on paper, that should have been a tough... League Cup tie midweek too so um, they they do have quite a poor record against Arsenal uh, at least in recent times but I guess most of those matches came when a very different Newcastle side played Newcastle so I don't think this is easy or straightforward for Arsenal whatsoever and I think Newcastle are being slightly disrespected by the market um, but I am expecting it to be quite a tight and competitive game I I don't think this match will escalate into being a a kind of high scoring shootout that certainly hasn't been the way With Newcastle under Eddie Howe, he does tend to set his side up to be quite pragmatic against the big boys and that's resulted in quite a few low scoring matches. Last season we saw six of eight against the top five go under two holes. This season the match against Liverpool was definitely heading in a similar direction before Darwin Nunes' intervention off the bench. And then you've got Arsenal who I think consciously are, are much more compact, more defensively minded, more controlled when playing away from Emirates Stadium. They are the best away side in the division since the start of last season. Their defensive numbers away from home have been excellent as well. So perhaps that's where the market is, is placing things here. But um, Newcastle deserve respect because at St. James's Park, they have been super strong, uh, take out that Dortmund no-show and, and they've been brilliant. Um, lost just three times at home since the start of last season in the Premier League. Admittedly, one of those was against Arsenal twice against liverpool but if you look at their schedule this season they've already faced man city liverpool brighton and aston villa so they've not had it easy yet they're sort of putting together league leading stats trends numbers in almost all the the sort of major areas we look towards expected goals shots big chances created So this is going to be for for Arsenal. Um, I think Newcastle will bang up for it. Um, Obviously, both teams have key Champions League games on the horizon. I suspect both managers privately might accept a draw if offered at pre-match, but that's obviously how games play out. So uh, I'm expecting it to be... Close competitive relatively low scoring so I was interested by under two and a half goals at at 195 Um, but the way in which the Premier League is this season you you don't really want to be backing those prices too often on unders because it's, it's not going to be a fun watch so I've taken it a step further and backed under three and a half goals and I'm going to partner it with Dan Byrne to commit at least one foul he will be up against Bakaya Saka here Four of the last five left-backs to play against Saka have committed two or more fouls, let alone one. Uh, And interestingly enough, Byrne made three fouls in the last head-to-head. He also made two fouls in the other head-to-head last season when playing against Saka. So it's four to nine for a Dan Byrne foul in this match is two to one if you want to back into back two or more fouls which i think is a very big price but i'll just partner that one foul alongside under three and a half goals because i definitely believe it's going to be tight competitive and the price we're getting here at nine to ten is is more than fair i think so under three and a half goals and dan burn to commit a foul for me
0: trader tipster and world-class ballerino Emmett O'Keefe is with us. You really should see his interpretation of Swan Lake. It's really quite breathtaking. <laughs> Emmett, Arsenal swept out of the League Cup in midweek by West Ham, but still going well in the league, still going well in the Champions League. Where are they at for you right now?
2: I'm actually not sure. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting. As Mark said, they are. They are being a bit more, a bit more, more pragmatic this season. Although I'm not kind of sure how much of it is pragmatism or how much of it is the fact that they haven't really got Gabriel Jesus firing this season, and that's kind of contributing to their lack of attacking output. Like they're eighth in expected goals in the Premier League this season, behind behind Brentford. And like I thought, they were really lucky against Chelsea um, away from home a couple of weeks ago. Like the like, it was a great finish from Declan Rice. But that was like, you can't be relying on kind of dodgy passes from Robert Sanchez to kind of get you back into the game usually. And I would expect if Newcastle get on top here, they won't be they won't they won't they won't be as generous in that, in that regard. Um, like like Marco Hair said, I, I was kind of. I'm uh, struggling to see how Arsenal are, are this short here. Like last season, when they went to St. James's towards the end of the season, they were over 3.0 to win the match. And I'm not sure that much has changed for Arsenal to be this short. Newcastle have obviously, you're missing. Sandro Schnally Alexander Isak Harvey Barnes, Elliot Anderson, uh, and, and Sven Botman, which is is a long list of players, but I still think like the most important Newcastle players are still in the lineup. Well, apart from maybe Isak like Bruno Guimarães is there, Joe Linton is there, Pope is there, um, and I think and I think Callum Wilson is, is a very able deputy. Anthony Gordon has surpassed my expectations; one of the better wide forwards in the Premier League. He's playing outstanding football. Surpassed
0: everybody's expectations, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah.
2: I be, exactly. I, yeah, probably. I think to be fair, like the you have to say like the, the Dan Ashworth kind of how Relationship in terms of the players they're buying and them being on the same page and knowing how to maximize them is is is, is working absolutely super superbly. Like, isn't If you look at the obviously, it's they have they have they have more resources than the other kind of middle tier clubs with 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 the PIF backing them, but their hit rate has been outstanding, like, and, and, and far better than the average, I would say. Um, but but like, I, I think just on I mentioned kind of Jesus earlier like while well, Newcastle are missing all those players I think there's a big drop off from a uh, kind of a Jesus sell his best steady and Ketia and like just just to give to give a kind of to illustrate that over the last two seasons, Gabriel Jesus averages just under thirty two passes a game. Like Eddie and only averages around nineteen passes a game. So that's a significant drop. Uh, Jesus, over the last couple of seasons in the league, has averaged an assist every four and a half games, whereas Eddie and only has one assist in his last like in his, in his last two seasons of the Premier League. So I think that gives you an illustration that Inketti is way more of a box striker, yeah. and he's kind of he doesn't give you. Nearly as much in the link of play, and I think in a game like this, like obviously against teams like Sheffield United, where they're playing a low block, you could argue that Eddie and Kelly is maybe more valuable to Arsenal. But a game like this, when Newcastle are really going for them, and they and they and they might need a player to kind of hold up the ball and 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 get Arsenal up the pitch. I do think that Arsenal miss Jesus a lot in a game like this, and given all of that, I. I, I, I think Newcastle are worth the look drawn a bet like they have better they have better expected goals numbers than Arsenal I think they, 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 they have a really strong home advantage and I I think getting them at odds against Bet a bet looks, looks like value to me despite the injuries
0: now, we know the January transfer window is quite a while away, but we make up our own rules on this show. So we've got a new signing, betting.betfair.com football editor Al Boyes joins us for the first time. Big Al, great to have you with us. Uh, we'll try not to be mean to you until you've been on the show uh, a few times. That's what we did with Jake Oscarthorpe, you may remember. we We kind of eased him in gently and then I bullied him. Uh, for many years and continue to do so uh where's the angle for you here al because as the guys have said does seem like newcastle are a teensy bit big here
3: well first of all i think jake's got that lovely doctor nickname hasn't he already so i'm starting to really be excited already what i could potentially be coined after a few shows but um i'm not sure doctor and boys has ever got in the same sentence so we'll have to find a new (laughs) angle there but um I think for me, I kind of agree with Mark first and foremost on like this been quite a tight game. We've got the best attack in the league in Newcastle, or the joint best attack. Arsenal are just behind uh, those on 23 goals. And they're both in the top five best defensive for actual goals conceded and expected. So which way should we look at it? Favouring those great attacking numbers or appreciating the defensive side of things? You know, we've got Arsenal on five clean sheets, Newcastle on four um mark probably knows but both teams just score, uh yes as well, hasn't landed in any of the last 10 meetings so the both teams score no is the outsider on the exchange and it's not something i'll be getting involved in but mark will probably tell me there's loads of reasons why yes is a guarantee but i just thought that was worth flagging really um i'm yet to decide but as we get closer to kickoff the nil nil is 12 to 1 and i might be fed potentially to look at that come kickoff um my on this game, though, is going to be another bet builder, of course. You know, I didn't get nicknamed Big Bad Bet Builder Boise for no reason. So, um, and it's all, it's all about uh, it's all about last week's hero, Eddie and Ketia, to be honest, because we know he's going to start. We know Jesus. He's now their top scorer. He's never too far away from the action. You know, if he isn't getting the ball, he will go and hunt for it, a bit like Jesus does. You know, I think that's a big ask from Mikel Arteta. Um, he leads Arsenal in shots per night since the start of last season and fouls per night, over two a game last season. He finished top of Arsenal's squad for fouls. Now, he's not quite hit those numbers yet this season, but he hasn't played so often. So he's also got a couple of bookings. I think he should have been sent off, to be completely honest, when he flew in on um, Vicario, the Tottenham keeper, a few weeks ago. Now, forgive my pronunciation there, because Yorkshire accents and foreign player names don't always go hand in hand. Perfect. It's like we were in Italy. It was wonderful. So the, the kind of point that I mentioned is that he gets himself involved. And he's 11 to score any time. And I'm going to actually double that up with him to be booked as well. He's been booked in all three of his Premier League games against Newcastle. And there's been 19 cards in the last four meetings between these two. And um, So that's going to be my play. I mean, I also did see that it's 5-1 to one for him to have two shots on target and commit two fouls, which he did last week against Sheffield United, and they only had a third of possession. So that was another way I was going to look at this one. All right, let me just write that down. Big bad
0: Boise's (laughs) bet builder. There you go. There's the feature sorted for him already. He's doing my job for me. Uh, We know injury time goals could be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bets. And now you've got 90-minute payout to rescue you. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. Ts and C's in the description. 18 plus begampalaware.org. It's been a great week for Everton. They won at West Ham in the league, reached the quarterfinals of the League Cup in midweek. They face Brighton this weekend. And Al, we know that they smashed Brighton at the Amex last season.
3: Yeah, and you know, that was a game I was so looking forward to sitting down and watching as a Leeds fan because it was a relegation. A massive game for us relegated sides at the bottom and I thought Brighton will wipe the floor here and it'll be um, a good night for Leeds fans and then Everton went and won there 5-1 I mean it was a bizarre That's game what? yeah absolutely bizarre game I'm not sure kind of what happened there but what that game did do actually is follow a trend between these two there's been at least five goals scored in the last three fixtures 16 goals somehow um, if you kind of add to that that Brighton they've conceded and scored in 14 straight Premier League games now I kind of see a real shot of that trend continuing. Um, It's 16-5 to for over 4.5 goals, which I think could be a really fun angle here. And Everton, they've had 48 shots across their last two home Premier League games. Now, they were against Bournemouth and Luton, so they'll likely not have the same level of possession. But there's definitely been a kind of upturn in their attacking output this season, Everton. I think Not that this is that big of a deal, but they do have a higher XG than Manchester United. Um, They're in the top half, basically, for XG total. And they've got Calvert-Lewin back in the team now, and they're a real threat. He was brilliant last week against West Ham. So I wouldn't want to call a winner in this one, um, despite kind of the difference in the league table. You know, Brighton have only won one of the last seven in all comps. But I think uh, goals is the way to go for me.
0: Mark, is that the way you would go as well? Everton, we've said a lot this season. It's been about them trying to match performances with results. Maybe they're starting to do that. Yeah,
1: maybe they are. And I think the uh, return of Dominic Carver-Lewins had a a massive influence on that. I think he's got four in his last six across all comps. I thought he was exceptional at West Ham last weekend, um, winning headers, running the channels, keeping defenders occupied. And his his turn and finish was great too. And he's obviously been helped by having two out wingers on either side with Harrison and McNeil as well. Supplying, you've got Dakure playing in that kind of second striker role as well. Who's, you know, really relishing that position too. So he's getting forward and getting opportunities away, options and opportunities away, and and at dead dead ball situations too. Everton have looked very strong as you'd expect from a Sean Dyche team. So yeah, this does feel like a a potentially tricky assignment for Brighton, and um, I think there has been a couple of hiccups in in their own sort of. Schedule in recent weeks and clearly they are struggling to kind of balance out the, the commitments across Europe and, and domestically so perhaps the full week will do them the world of good this time around but uh, they are winless in the Premier League since September and there's been kind of a, a mounting suggestion that they don't kind of relish these type of fixtures when they're asked to penetrate deep-lying defences and you know if you look at their three games this season when they've had the most possession 70% or more or more uh, West Ham, Fulham and AEK Athens have failed to win any of those and despite kind of racking up loads and of shots their xg figures haven't actually been that great because they're you know attempting efforts from distance or, or low quality uh, areas so i'm interested to see how everton do approach this because as al says they have been quite front foot especially at goodison park this season averaging 18 shots per game at home which is a, a huge figure for everton so you know will they look to sort of follow the blueprint that west ham laid out earlier in the campaign or will they be a bit more front foot um i'm interested but either way i agree i think there'll be goals in this game you know, we say it every week, really, but Brighton matches just breathe goals. In 10 Premier League games, nine have gone over, eight have gone over three and a half, uh, and BTS has banked in all of them. Those matches have averaged 4.2 goals, 3.44 expected goals, uh, and if we exclude penalties, only Newcastle and Liverpool have bettered their XG output. So Everton, I think, have impressed themselves in terms of chance creation. They've also scored in five of the last seven league games, only failed to at home to Arsenal and away at Liverpool, which is understandable, really. I uh, just think with Calvert Lewin, uh, a settled system now in place. I think they'll have a bit of joy here against Brighton, whether it's counter uh, set pieces, uh, or just a balance of play, really. Uh, Brighton's fullbacks and midfield tend to push forward and that uh, creates space for opposition sides and transitions. And I think Everton definitely get on the score sheet here, and I think it will be a an enjoyable match. Um, I've gone down the um, Asian goal line route where you can get over two and three-quarter goals at 1.8 on the exchange. It's a half-stakes winner if there's exactly three goals, a full-stakes winner if there's exactly four or more goals in this fixture. So, you know, as long as there's three or more, we're making money.
0: And of course, sartorially, we've got the battle between English nightclub boss. Sean Dyche and Continental nightclub boss, Roberto De Zerbi, So it should be very interesting there. Let's head to the championship, shall we? Emmett, you want to look at Wayne Rooney's Birmingham City. We have to officially call them that. It's like when we used to have to say Frank Lampard's derby. It's exactly the same thing. You can't now just say Birmingham. Uh, Tough game for them against Ipswich. You all told me before the season started, Ipswich are going to be great. They've been even better than you thought they would be, haven't they?
2: Yeah, I think Mark Marker especially was incredibly sweet in them, and has been kind of fully, fully justified in that that, that 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 view. Like I think, in a normal championship season, they'd be top of the league by by a margin, but. As Mark had mentioned last week, you're dealing with kind of one of the best ever champ- sides to play in the championship in Leicester, with kind of obviously far greater resources than Ipswich. So it may maybe Ipswich have to play second fiddle, but I think they'll be they'll be pretty happy if they can if they can manage to get or auto, auto, pro, automatic promotion via coming second for this game specifically. There's already kind of disquiet about the kind of Wayne Rooney regime with kind of back, def- back defeats to Hull and Slampton. I think the Birmingham fans kind of really aren't happy with how previous manager, kind of John Eustace, has been treated by Birmingham's new, new American ownership. I think Eustace it was, was disgraced. That's why. <laughs> yeah, especially I think last season, I think that was, I read something that like that I think they used the highest proportion of 18 year olds in the kind of first level and in the first team squad than nearly any team in Europe. It was like, and, and so I think that, that just gives you an indication of it was kind of a he he, he, like he he was making the best of quite a bad situation and really didn't didn't deserve to be fired and I think so I think that's always the thing with any new manager I think if you're a new manager you want to take over when things are bad and expectations are relatively low whereas with, with whereas that's not the case for Rooney here where like the kind of the fans feel a loyalty to you, and Rooney has to kind of prove himself to them, which is is a kind of a dangerous place to start. I feel, and. If you're if, if you're struggling, I think just Ipswich are just the wrong team to be playing. They've won eight of their last nine matches in in, in the Championship with excellent excellent underlying numbers to boost. They did lose in midweek in the League Cup, but they 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 they, they rest a lot of the, a lot of their kind of frontline players. I just think Ipswich are Ipswich are a far better team than Birmingham on every statistic you can see, and and, and Birmingham's struggling for form. and I'm more than happy to take kind of a shade of odds against him. or in position in the match here.
0: Massive clash in the championship between Leicester and Leeds. A battle of relegated clubs. Al, we make no secret of who we support on this show. And straight away, uh, out of the gate, wearing a Leeds top. So we like to see that. However, if your side lose to Leicester, you're 17 points behind Leicester. Mark said last week, I think, he thought Leicester were one of the best championship teams he'd ever seen,
3: if not the best. It's quite a test for your lot, isn't it? It's a massive test, Kevin. I was just going to quickly say before I get into the game, what what name do you think I've got on the back of this shirt? You know, what what inspires you of these leads these players back in the mid to mid to late nineties? Well, I thought Yeboah, really, that, but maybe not.
0: Maybe that's uh that David Batty really.
3: Uh, I mean, what Batty would have be... played in this team. It's not Yoboa. Um, it's a bit early captain. for Yeboah, isn't it? Mm, actually, a bit later cool. in the nineties, playing to the two thousands as well. Go on then, Mark. You can have a guess.
0: Hardy
2: Lucas-Radaby?
3: Oh, in one. Look at that. Oh, there the you chief. go. The there chief. you go. Yes, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, fantastic player. Yeah, Still around the club as well. Great guy. Um, back to your uh, serious question, Kev. Uh, do I think <laughs> Leeds can catch Leicester? Um, can you ask me again tomorrow if we if we win? Because if we win, I'm going to say yes. But I'm forever the optimist. Look, if we did beat them, we'd be eleven points behind. We're currently fourteen to one to win the league on the exchange. There's just a ninety-three points left to play for. So, um, Southampton—they're only a point behind us, and they're rated at forty to one to win the league. I think the gap in between our odds and Southampton's odds there suggests that maybe not everyone's ready to write leads off in the title hunt. Um, We've now leapfrogged Ipswich in on XG for and against. You know, we had that rough, ropey start in August. We've started to close the gap on Ipswich. And I actually think that the nine-point gap to Ipswich that we have on the eye test is making this seem like a bigger mountain to climb for Leeds. Because I'm fairly confident that we'll begin to reduce that gap to second, you know, and that's I know how well Ipswich is doing, but I just think slowly you'll start to just us come closer together. Um to so the actual game, it's going to be a bell to Kev. You know, I think both teams have got plenty of players that are probably too good for this league. You know, Mavididi is great. Jewsbury Hall looks like he could slot into him. Top half Premier League team, in my opinion. Um, Leeds, they rejected big money for Somerville um, on deadline day. He only trails Dewsbury Hall now for combined goals and assists. And Ethan Ampadu has been our best signing by an absolute mile. He's a fantastic player for seven million quid. He's got so many games under his belt for his age. So, um, I've got to mention my favourite player though, Kev, and please weigh in, Jorginho Rutter. You must have plenty of experience with him. He's an absolute joy to watch. I don't know what you think.
0: I raved about him when they signed him, and then uh, he barely played, didn't score, didn't assist, and everybody was like, "He's rubbish." Why have you said, "Jorginho Rute is amazing"? And now, because he's got a run of games and he's not being, you know, kept out of things, he's actually playing really well. Yeah, it's you know, not su- not, a, not a trade secret. He's
3: a really good player. Exactly. And obviously, he was probably burdened by the, the prize tag and the fact that Leeds were terrible last season. I mean, yes. we, ended the, we ended the season with Big Sam. He's not going to play Jorginho Rutter in a, a way at West Ham where we need to win, is he? So, um, but it's it's a delight to watch him play now. He's dribbling, his skill, his strength, his overall creativity. You know, he's actually created more chances from open play than anyone else in the championship. Now, I think the traders have copped on to that. He is the favourite in this game, two assists, five to two. At the top of the market there, but I'd recommend him to put that assist in any bet bill as you do. Um, Somerville, he's also I think he's still yet to be fully taken seriously in front of goal. You can get him at nine to two to score anytime. He's now our top scorer. He's got four and three. So I'm going to back Rutter to assist anytime and Somerville to score. That's eleven to one on the Betfair sportsbook. And interestingly, Rutter's actually created more chances for Somerville than any one player has for another player in the championship. So those two. A fantastic together i actually did ask Emmett last night if he would um give me a return the favor odds on uh, somerville and rutter to assist one another but it's not something they offer but it's 90 to one that they both score and assist in this game and that might get 50 pence of my hard-earned money i
0: like that Emmett, emmett's expression suggested no i won't be doing that <laughs> but it's a nice idea something might develop as the season goes on now Borussia Dortmund against Bayern Munich, always the biggest game in the German football calendar. Both teams are beaten in the Bundesliga, so especially significant this time around. But Emmett, man alive, Bayern were bad in midweek, reeling after crashing out of the day of Papal Karl to third tier Saarbrücken. There's a general feeling here, and I've felt this all the way through the season. We've talked about this a lot. They are relying on star power and vibes just to get them through games. There's no cohesive structure. They're all over the shop, and if you're giving up chance after chance against Zablocki, you're in big, big trouble. Definitely,
2: yeah. I kind of as well. Like uh, last night, they lost um, Mati's Delict injury, and I think I think and, and, and uh, had to kind of fill in at centre half. Upemikano um, may be back this way under partner Kim and Jay, but if he isn't, you're looking at like a really kind of second string and kind of a vulnerable centre-half centre half partnership and as, as you said, Kevin, when they played better opposition away from home, Bayern have really struggled, they drew 2-2 to both Leipzig and Leverkusen in the Bundesliga but it was really notable in the Champions League had they were kind of outplayed and outshot by Galatasaray in Istanbul and with yeah. a bit of better finishing, Galatasaray could, could, have, could have at least drawn it if not, if not won that match. I think like Dortmund's form has definitely been inconsistent this season. We kind of spoke about that earlier in the year. But they have won kind of five of their last six in the Bundesliga and it may be that that kind of win over Newcastle at St. James's has given them kind of added belief that they're capable of beating kind of high quality opposition um, after, after kind of J- J- Bellingham has departed. They were really kind of slick, slick in terms of some of their counter-attacking moves and they kind of defended uh, Newcastle did miss a couple of chances but like Newcastle weren't weren't battering them in the second half. I think they defended reasonably well. Last week, again, like there it was kind of a typical Dortmund, kind of high-scoring game against Eintracht Frankfurt. But again, I think it would have given them confidence to have came back from 2-0 down and to yeah. actually win it a 3-0 draw in a game where people might might have felt they would have lost in in kind of previous years. But I think Dortmund are actually coming into this game in quite a good place. I don't think the I think the markets probably give Bayern a bit too much respect having them at odds on here. I expect Dortmund to be really competitive. And and, and, and and potentially at least get what kind of Leipzig and Leverkusen have got in in, in terms of getting a home draw. I think it, it, so. The Dortmund Dortmund uh, sorry Dortmund double chance at odds against is is the way I'd play it here.
0: That's exactly how I would go. It's wild to me actually that buying a odds on because as you say, if you look at them in the big games, Leipzig that went two 0 down had to come back. Leverkusen, I know if anybody didn't watch the game, they'd look at it and think, ah, maybe Leverkusen were a bit lucky they got a late penalty. No, no. Leverkusen could have walked away with that game in the second half, made loads of chances, didn't take them. And, I mean, against Manchester United, what a horrendous game that was. I know it was 4-3 to Bayern, but it was uh, uh, just a battle of dysfunctional sides. So I think, given the injury problems, given the lack of form, given that debacle at Saarbrücken in midweek... I think Dortmund have got every chance of getting a positive result on Saturday. I should be there. Very much looking forward to it. Elsewhere in Germany, Mark, you want to take a look at Köln against Augsburg. Massive clash in the relegation battle, really. Köln got that derby win. You thought they were on their way back. Then they got dumped out the cup by Kaiserslautern. Augsburg, though, last couple of games under their new coach, Jes-Torup, looking very good
1: looking wild as well aren't they Um, his first two games they they win 5-2 away at Heidenheim despite being 2-0 down inside the first half and then turning it around to lead 3-2 at half time and then Wolfsburg last weekend where they won 3-2 They were training 2-1 at halftime as well. So we've had 12 goals across his first two fixtures, which is very much in keeping and following the theme of Augsburg goals this season. Uh, If you look at their nine matches already, eight have gone over two and a half goals, five have gone over three and a half goals, seven have seen both teams scoring. The matches are averaging 4.33 goals per game. They're yet to keep a clean sheet and they've actually conceded two or more goals on eight occasions from nine in the Bundesliga so um, they're very much a a front foot side who uh, obviously defensively are pretty disastrous so um, and as we've talked about week on week really the Bundesliga this season has just been a haven for goals Um, 75% of all matches have gone over two and a half goals 53% of all games have gone over three and a half goals just astonishing figures really and i I fully expect this match to, to follow those trends because Cologne, as you say, um, got that good win against Gladbach where I thought they played really well. Actually, they looked exciting, uh, front foot, adventurous, more than capable of kind uh, of climbing their way out of trouble. But then they go and get spanked 6-0 at Leipzig and then that cup exit as well. So um, if they can reach those heights they showed against Gladbach, I'm absolutely certain they can get something out of this game. But just like Augsburg, they cannot really be trusted uh, defensively. They're yet to keep a clean sheet this season. And they've also conceded two or more goals in six of nine fixtures domestically. Um, But three of their four home games have seen over two and a half goals and BTTS Bank. And and that's the way I'm going to play this game. Uh, 175 for over two and a half goals and both teams to score. Basically got two teams together who are yet to keep a clean sheet. They've collectively conceded two or more goals in 14 of 18 Bundesliga games. Uh, and our proposed play uh, on over two and a half goals has landed in 14 of 18 uh, and BTTS has landed pretty often too. So um uh, fully expecting this game to, to get out of hand yet again as Ag sport games tend to do. And I just think the market still hasn't completely adjusted to the sky high goal numbers. Just last weekend, eight of the nine games in the Bundesliga went over two and a half goals.
0: Um, yeah, it's just the, the the place to be for entertainment right now. Yeah, basically, folks, if you see an over two and a half goals bet, a 1.75 or bigger, you should get involved because that's the way the league has gone this season. Now it's time for the world-famous podcast, Treble, a betting feature so famous that Lionel Messi was caught sneaking a listen at the Ballon d'Or ceremony, while Cristiano Ronaldo listened to all of the other inferior betting shows. That's the way it works. How it works is these guys come up with a selection each ahead of the weekend action and lovely traders like Emmett Wrap them up for you in a boosted treble. Emmett, I'm going to start with you.
2: I'll go with Ipswich to win. They look like the look, 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 look at banker
0: material for me this weekend. Big Al, let's go with you next.
3: Yeah, I was going to touch on this a little bit later, but over 1.5 uh, Blackburn goals at Norwich on Sunday, which is uh, priced around five to four at the moment.
0: More details for the cool kids on the Sunday show. Make sure you catch that. And Mark, take us home.
1: I'll nominate uh, over two and a half goals in Cologne against Augsburg on Saturday.
0: Lovely stuff. Now, all of this is very well. All these big teams, Bayern Munich, Arsenal, etc. But what you really want is a bit of Caledonian glamour. It's Mark O'Hare's Scott Watch. Mark, take it away. Yeah, Partick Thistle did the business for us last weekend with
1: a goal-heavy game uh, against Queen's Park. That match ended 2-2, as did their midweek game against Air United. So successive Desmond games uh, for Partick Thistle, that means 10 of their opening 11 championship games have gone over two and a half goals. We can get one seventy-five on Saturday's trip to Arbroath following suit mid-table up growth have also seen over two and a half goals in eight of their first nine games giving this particular wager a success rate of 18 from 20 when these two teams have played so far wow. this season both sides have seen average goals per game figures around about 3.55 their earlier season meeting ended 3-0 Away win for our our both, um, who have scored twice or more themselves in five of six, and they're playing a partick side who have shipped two or more in four of six. But neither side can be trusted defensively, but both pack a bit of a punch in the final third if you look at the underlying metrics. So looking for goals again in a partick game now. Obviously, I think we've exhausted. All of our Partick Thistle content for a while now. So just going to focus on our growth. talk
0: about Kingsley every week, to
1: be honest. I knew you would. (laughs)
0: Nightmarish thing
1: that he is. (laughs) I thought you might. But uh, we're going to look at our growth, actually, because they're a little club uh, from the Angus area of Scotland, right on the North Sea coast, around 16 miles northeast of Dundee, founded way back in 1878, but they are yet to clinch a major honour. Their best ever season has been a second place finish in the second tier, which has occurred five times most recently in 2021-22 they lost out on promotion via the playoffs which is a real great shame because they are a part-time club which are punching way above their weight and that was quite a competitive league they were competing in uh, they're nicknamed the red licties due to the red light they used to guide fishing boats back from the north sea to the harbour and uh, oh, they okay. actually hold or held however you want to uh take it the world record for the biggest ever victory in Welsh senior football. They beat Bon Accord 36-0 in the Scottish Cup way back in 1885 and they had seven goals extra <laughs> disallowed for offside that day. Uh, they also had Jockey Petrie, who scored 13 goals in that game which was a record for the most goals by a single player in a British senior game. However, that record has been taken um, by a team from Madagascar, who last year ended up winning 149 nil but it was thrown because basically the home side deliberately scored own goals in a protest against poor officiating yes um so guinness have basically given the record to this team in madagascar for that 149 nil win however i don't think that's very fair and for me it is. a bit of a is what it is yeah it is it's uh understandably the are faithful are up in arms very bitter about it and um they want their record back and so for me, and I think for all listeners, they do deserve to be the, the record holders for that thirty-six-nil win. Uh, now, anyway, they play at Gayfield Park, and um, I am reliably informed that this is the closest ground to the sea in Britain. Uh, and on stormy winter <laughs> days, it's so close that the waves actually beat against the walls surrounding the ground. So, if you Google, that seems it, quite you'll worrying
0: see... to me, Mark. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be comfortable with that if I was a home <laughs> fan.
1: Definitely not when Stormer uh, Kieran's going around, but. Um, no. Yeah, so Google it because uh, you'll see quite how close it is to the North Sea. Apparently, it's been measured. They are five and a half yards away from the high tide line the football stadium is, which is quite something really. So um, yeah, I'm quite keen to get to to Arbroath for a game. So it's on my bucket list
0: now. Yeah, I think you might have to take the scuba tank with you, to be honest. That'd be a thrill, (laughs) wouldn't it? Having a season ticket where you might fall into the sea (laughs) at any time. Wonderful stuff. Uh, What we want, Mark, what we need to campaign for is our bros to face this team from Madagascar. That's what we want, some kind of two-legged affair and whoever wins gets the record. So Guinness, if you're listening and I know you are, that's what needs to happen. Uh, That's all we have time for, sadly, on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Plenty more tips coming up In the Sunday show, don't be a dweeb and just listen to this. You need to be with the cool kids and listen to both. Uh, We're also going to look at the capital clash between Tottenham and Chelsea. All of our shows on Betfair's new YouTube channel for non-racing content. So make sure you like and subscribe from Big Al, from Mark, from Emmett and from me. It's goodbye for now.